Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you, and God bless. going to be bringing us God's word. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Um, so, Father in heaven, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for this time. Thank you for everybody who is here. Thank you for every destiny, Father, that you are going to transform and change today. Thank you for what you have been doing in the past, what you are doing now, and what you are going to do. We bless you, Father. Father, we commit the word. I know that I don't know anything, but what Jesus will show to you, Holy Spirit, you will also give to me that I'll present in Jesus' name. And I pray that everyone here, Father, at the end of the day, will become better, will become greater. We do the works that you want them to do, and you will be glorified. They will be blessed and the enemy, the shame will go to the enemy. In Jesus' wonderful name, we have prayed. Before we continue, I just want to ask you for one thing, and it's that you stretch your hands towards me. And the Bible says in the book of Psalm 107, verse 20, it said he sent his word, and his word healed them and delivered them. I want you to ask for a specific word, that as I speak today, there will be a word that will touch you. There will be a word that will be specific for you. That if there's anybody who is any in the valley or the mountain of indecision, that word will bring you to your point of decision. It will give you direction. It will give you leading. It will help you to move forward in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, as they pray, Father, that there will be a word you give to each and every one, that nobody will go back home the same in the mighty name of Jesus, that their lives will be transformed. Everyone who is looking for one decision, they will get into that decision in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' wonderful name, we have prayed. So, I have to questions for you. I'll give you one before this, the message, and then one when we finish the message. So the, <clears throat> the question is, what the title of the message is, have you seen one of them? And I want you to know the people I'm going to talk about, and I want to know that if you've seen them, what have you done with them? What have you done for them, and what have you done with them? And as we go through the message, the Lord will help you to make that final decision of what you will do in Jesus' name. So my question is, have you seen them? So, um, Sister Fumi came up and she discussed and she said that our theme for this month, for the outreach month, and I'm representing the outreach group, so that's why I'm here today, and the theme is all of God's children. We are all of God's children, right? But then there's a set of people again that are God's children that we don't take significant focus on, or we don't look at them, we don't talk to them as much, or we don't reach out to them, or they're not able to come here to the church. And I want us to reach out to them in the mighty name of Jesus. And as you do so, the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. The group I'm talking about are called the disadvantaged or the underserved or people who are in one situation or the other. And I will define it like this, or the, the, the West edition I define it as this. This is a group of people who have a diminished capacity as individuals or a group to anticipate, to cope with, to resist, and recover from the impact of a difficult, harmful, or unfavorable condition. There are four things there. 
that to anticipate a problem or a situation that is not good, they are not able to do it. To be able to cope with that situation, they are not able to do it. They, are not, they, they, they see the situation and they are not able to resist it. They see the situation and they are not able to recover from that situation. And I'll give you a simple example that many of us might have been in or some people that you know who have been in. You finish from school, you get a job, and then all of a sudden something happens and the company downsizes and you lose your job. You weren't anticipating that to happen. You didn't have any other means or any other way to be able to cope with such a situation. Or you weren't able to resist not being fired or let go at your job. Or you were not even able to recover because bills are coming in, rent is coming in, mortgage is coming in, insurance for the car is coming in. Whether you're using it or not, they're going to ask for it. So the person is now disadvantaged. I pray that that will not be our portion in Jesus' name. And I pray that as we go on, that we'll be able to identify the people who are in these situations. It could be a drug addict that just was going to the doctor for a back problem. And he was put on a particular drug and he was taking that drug and all of a sudden he became addicted to it. It wasn't of his own fault. He didn't plan it. It wasn't anticipated. He, didn't, he could not resist not taking it because he had backache. And then he could not recover from it. But was that his fault? No. So those are the people we're going to look at. So I looked at what are the other words that we could find for the word disadvantage. You have your underserved. You have, you have the vulnerable people. You have the disregarded people. You have the sidelined people who people don't pay attention to, who take, who take little recognition of. You have the harassed people who are being harassed one way or the other, tormented or bullied one place or the other. You have the people who are persecuted, and we know about that. You have the people who are ostracized, who are kept away from everyone else. And you have the helpless. These are people who are disadvantaged. These are people who cannot come to the church. These are people who are in a situation that they cannot recover from. And we, as people, as children of the Most High God, we need to reach out to them. We need to help them. We need to support them. We need to, take, we need to have their back. And the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. So I want to just mention a couple of people who I've seen or we've looked at. And this is no, by no way a limited list that are the underserved or the, the, the disadvantaged people. You have people who are hungry, who don't have any food to eat, who cannot cope to eat the right food, the three meals that we have, or even the snacks that some of us have at home. They don't have food in their fridge like we do. You go to their house, you won't find food there. You have people who are homeless, who don't have a house, who stay in under the bridge, or who are staying in a shelter, or who are just sitting in their car. My, um, we, have, we just relocated from Maryland to New Jersey, and somebody wanted to take our house, wanted to rent our house. And when I interviewed the lady, the, the realtor brought the lady to me, and when I interviewed her, she was staying in her car for the last two weeks having no place to do. She left the shelter, and the shelter said, your time has expired, so you need to go out. And a situation happened to her that she didn't anticipate for, she could not resist, she did not have any way of coping for it, and she could not recover from it at that time. So she was staying in her car, and I said, where were you staying? She told me there's a, de- a, a particular stadium, and it, by the stadium there, there's these floodlights that are on. She would park her car there, and she'd sleep all by herself in the car. I was scared that I can't even do that for just even one hour. At night and all night, she was disadvantaged. She was underserved. She had been in a situation where she couldn't cope. That will not happen to us in the mighty name of Jesus. There are people who are chronically ill in the hospital continuously. I met someone who said she has chronic fatigue syndrome. 
And if you know about it, or even the other, the other one, which is just a little higher than that, which is your chronic, your, your chronic, um, your, it's chronic, you have fibromyalgia, but the chronic fatigue syndrome is you're always sick. I mean, you're always tired. You're, you wake up in the morning and you say, ah, oh, I'm tired. You can't go to work, even if they give you a job. You can't sit in front of the computer more than 30 minutes. You have to lay down. But we are not like that. But there are some people like that. And we will help them in the mighty name of Jesus. We will identify them and support them in the mighty name of Jesus. You have the developmentally or physically disabled. You have the unemployed. You have the incarcerated individuals. People who go to jail or go to prison and they come back out. If you know how difficult it is to get back into society, you have no idea. You have no idea how lucky we are. If they go to a job, they apply now and they say, oh, let's just check. Once they say, oh, we'll call you back, sir. And they will never call them, but they wait one week, second week, third week, four months, five months, and they never get there. When they even get a job, like a grocery store, and they're just packing bags, everybody's looking at them. Supervisor, watching, watching, watching. Every single eye is watching them because they think that they can commit a crime. And look at us today. We commit even greater crimes against God, but he has decided to have mercy upon us. Women and girls in certain countries of the world, my God, even from where I come from, there's a part of our country that women, once you are married to a man, you are supposed to cover your head from head to bottom. And you don't go out, you don't go to the store, you don't go out to the fashion, you don't do any nails, no nothing like that. You have no privilege to get to do that. But look at us here. We can do our weave on, can do our braids, we go and put the acrylic, or we do French nails. But there's some women, even their husbands, even some, their husbands are very rich. I mean, exceptionally rich. They are not allowed to do that. Thank God for liberty. Thank God for freedom. Thank God for his mercies. There are some people of, ethnic, of certain ethnicities or from a certain country that once they get to the airport, they just say, sir, please can you come to this side here? And they just pack you to that side and they do a thorough search on you. I have a co-worker, he's from Pakistan, and he says that every time he goes, there's one to see his name, Ali. Come this way, sir. They just smile like that. He said the most anointed they smile. Sir, come this way. But how many of us that we go in and out of the country, we travel where we want to go, we get to the airport, just show a passport, and we just continue going. Those are the people who are ostracized. They are limited. They are disadvantaged. They are underserved. And the Lord will help us to pray for them, to support them, to encourage them, and to help them, and to show them how God does it in Jesus' name. There's their religious affiliations. There are certain people you know, as we know, that once you belong to this religion, you are persecuted, you are harassed, you are put to a side. I have a uh, classmate that we finished together. He wanted to do a program in the school where we finished from. But because now the person who is heading that department is now a Muslim. And he was a Muslim, but he became a Christian. He said for that reason, he said to his face that I will never take you in this school over my dead body. And he was his teacher. He was our lecturer. He, finished, we did, he did well. But he said just because you left Islam and you now joined Christianity, he said you won't enter here. But I thank God. The guy moved to a place where God really helped him and took him to another place. But there are people like that. But that is not happening to us. So we thank God for that. And as we know now, the political orientation that you may be in. There are some people who are being harassed just because you belong to, you know that party, right? I have not mentioned it. So these are the underserved. These are the people who are being harassed. These are people who are being har- harangued, who, are, who, who enter into the situation and they cannot cope. 
But I pray that God will help us so that we'll be able to help these other people. So I want us to just look at the scripture that was read today. And that is from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 34 to 30 to 40. It says, then the king will say to those on, and I want us to read it together. It says, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Then the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Two scriptures that I just want to analyze and then we move on. And it's just verse 34 and verse 40. Verse 34 there. It says, The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. He says, Come, you who are blessed by my father. That is, come is a calling. So that means he's calling us to do something. And he's called each and every one of us, especially those who are God's children. He said, Come. You who are blessed by my Father. And I just want us to understand what a calling is. If you look at First um, Peter chapter 2, verse 9, and there God is telling us who we are. When the writer wrote there, he said that we're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He said he has called us out of darkness. But what did he call us? He said we are a chosen generation. He said we are a royal priesthood. He said we are a holy nation. He says God's special possession. And we are called to do what? To show forth his praises. If we are called, if he says come, that means he's calling you to do something. That means God has an expectation. He has a desire. He has a hope that what he has called us for, he wants us to do it. And what did he call us to do? To minister to those who are the underserved. The, on the, the disadvantage, the unprivileged, and the Lord will help us in the mighty name of Jesus. I like that we came back from our retreat, and you know the retreat, the, the, one of the scriptures that we shared there was from the book of Matthew. And this was where Jesus Christ was talking on the mountain, and he was giving his sermon on the mountain. And you know it's Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. But chapter 5 there, verse 13, he says, you are the salt of the earth. He said in verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. And verse 16 says, let your light so shine that men may see your good works, good deeds, good actions, your giving out, and glorify your Father in heaven. It should be that we minister to men and women who are the underserved, who are, who are finding it difficult. And when they see us, they say, which church do you go to? Who is your God? Who is your pastor? Where do you live? Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. Where you go, I will go in the name of Jesus. It doesn't take you having to pray for them only, but you should show your acts of kindness. And we're going to talk about those acts of kindness that we need to do. The second part is that um, 
Verse 40. It says, The king replied, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. He said one of the least, that is these, the one who is lowest, the one who doesn't have the ability you have, the one who doesn't have the money you have, the person who doesn't have the car you have, the person who doesn't have the opportunity to go to the school you went to, he said the least of these. He said, as you do it for them, you do it for me. So, are we doing it for Jesus Christ? Have you seen one of these that I asked you about? And are you doing it for Jesus Christ? And are you doing it for them? So, what can we do as children of God to the other children of God who are the underserved? So, we have, I looked at four areas that all of us have. Number one, we have talent. And you, it could be your word of encouragement. It could be a prayer. You could mentor someone. You could just even be giving somebody enlightenment. You could teach somebody about what you know, how you do it, where you do it, how you got your job, how you got what you have right now. It's all just even a word of encouragement. And that's all that person needs. It may just be just one word you tell them at that point in time that somebody wanted to commit suicide or somebody wanted to just give up and you were there. You showed up and you said, you know what? This is what happened to me. This is what Jesus Christ did for me and this is what, how I did it and this is what you can do and the Lord will help them in Jesus' name. I look at money too. Many of us have money. We have financial wherewithal. Some of us have more than one house. Some of us have more than one car. Some of us have more than enough clothes in the closet, more than enough shoes in the closet. Some of us have more than enough ties to give out. There's something you have that you can give. So you can support people, you know, by buying food for them. It could be by rent. It could be by even helping them pay for their education. One of our sisters came out the other time, and she came and gave a testimony in last month, and she said that somebody gave her a loan just so that she could go to school. How important that was for her. It was just timely at that time. How many people are we doing that for? Some people may even need transportation to go from one point to another. Some people, I know somebody got a job and he couldn't get to the work or place that he was. So we had to also organize with some people how we were able to get him a car. He got the car. He was able to start going to work. And from there, he was able to graduate to buy his own car. And he gave the car back. But it was a process that he had to go through. And it was something that all of us have. Every one of us here has more than enough. If you're able to come here today, I believe that you have more than enough to give somebody. So don't think that you don't have. <laughs> Even no matter how small it is. I met a brother a little while ago, and he had a little challenge. He went through the situation of, you know, being in a situation that he was not anticipating. And then he could not cope with it. And at that time, he could not recover at that time. He couldn't pay his rent. He couldn't pay his power. He couldn't pay for internet. He couldn't pay for his cell phone. Everything was shut down. And this was during the winter time. And trust me, I hate cold with a passion. So, when he was telling me that, that he didn't have even power to generate heat in his own house, in an apartment, I, my heart was so cringed. I cringed so much. I felt so bad inside. Now, how can somebody live in an apartment in the United States while the winter was going on, while it was snowing, and still come to do everything he was supposed to do? And I reached out. And we tried our own little best. But that was a situation where he was not anticipating. He wasn't planning for it. He couldn't recover at that time. And that's our job, to reach out to such people. And the Lord will help us in the mighty name of Jesus. We also have strength. 
There are some people who, like the elderly, they are not able to do their daily things. They can't go to the store like they could go before. They couldn't drive their cars like they could drive before. They can't clean up their house like they can. But we have the strength to still do it. So let us reach out to them and help them. And as we do so, the Lord will help us in the mighty name of Jesus. You have certain women or children who can't fight for themselves. But we can speak for them. We can talk for them. We can support them. We can say, no, 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 you don't talk to that woman like that. You go and ask Dickness here one day about, about her, her, her non-for-profit, TouchLink. Those what they do. That's what they do. They speak on behalf of women who can't speak for themselves. They fight on behalf of those who are being abused, tormented, harassed, and harangued by those who should not be harassing them. That's what we're supposed to do. And the last part is influence. Many of us have certain influence that we don't know. You have that connection. You have that person. Some of us have come from a pedigree. Like you have your, your, your family background. You're financially well. You have the connections. You can put someone in a position. You can help somebody get to the place where they need to get to. But you're not using that influence that you have. We should use that to help those who are less served than us. Even, even the internet. Some people use the internet to fight. To, to speak on behalf of a group or support a group, to talk to them and say, you know what, we're going to speak for you, we're going to set up an account, we're going to start to speak about this situation. And they talk about it, they tweet, they chat, they send messages, and all of a sudden, the government is aware of it and say, you know what, we didn't know that these people were misaligned, we didn't know that they were being disadvantaged, we didn't know that they were being tormented, so you know what, let's start to help them. That's what we can do. And as we do so, the Lord will help us. So I'm, I'm encouraging you, and I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you, every single opportunity you have to help someone, please do so. But I pray that the Lord will open up your eyes of understanding, that you'll be able to identify those men, those women, those children that need the help that we can provide. There's no such thing as, I don't have the ability. There's no such thing as, I don't have the time. Because if God was to take your time from you today now, what would you do? If God was to take all the things you have, then what would you have? We are nothing without him. And we are everything with him. And the Lord will help us to see it, to know it, and to start to act upon it. I don't, we, have so many, we have so many testimonies we could give, even what Agape House of Worship is doing. But I want to encourage you for one thing, that the outreach department, we are looking for volunteers. We are looking for people to come. We are looking for people to come and tell us ideas, share their ideas, tell us how they want to help, tell us how they want to transform the department, tell us how they want to even transform the whole of New Jersey how they want to transform the whole of Brazil, how they want to transform the whole of the United States. It takes only one person. And please don't say that, as, as that ministry is not for me, it's not for me. If not you, then who? If not here, then where? If not now, then where? The Bible says in the book of Job, chapter 14, verse 14, it says, shall someone die and live again? I've not seen it yet, apart from in the Bible. If you die today, that's it. So won't you live the best life you can live? Won't you give the best you can give? Won't you do the best you can do? That they will say of a truth, a son of God was here. A daughter of God was here. So I want to share with you, I want to talk about one particular lady. And then I'll leave the altar. Um, her name is Agnes Bojaju. She was born in, two, in um, August 27, 1910. So you give me a few minutes while I just read a little bit about her. Um, she was born in Albania. She was the last child of three children. The last of nine, uh, at nine years of age, she lost her father, who was a businessman. And that affected their family. So 
their life changed. But at the age of 12, she felt she had a calling to help the, uh, the poor and to, 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 to support them. So she joined the monastery. She became a nun. While she, while she became a nun and she was going around, that was at the age of 18, she now liked a particular group called the Sisters of Loretta. And she said she wanted to join them. So she joined the Sisters of Loretta and they said that they have a ministry in Calcutta, India. But while, before you can go to Calcutta, India, you have to go and join, um, do the training in Ireland. So they went, to, they sent her to Ireland, she did the training there, then she came to India. So she started doing it. So she now gave her final vow at the age of 21. And then she changed her name to Sister Teresa. When she was 36 years old, she received a call within a call, she said. She had already received a call, but she said, but now I received a call within a call. And she said, to live the covenant life, that is the monastery, and to work directly with the poor in the slums of Calcutta, India. Then she was being referred to as Mother Teresa. She now, at that, at that age, she now started doing things, and she now developed a ministry called the Missionaries of Charity. But with the permission from the Vatican, she started the Missionaries of Charity, which members take the vows of chastity, poverty, and obedience. Now, when you become a nun, you only, they only ask you for three things to, be, to the three vows that you must take. That is chastity, that you must be the Spartan kind of life, which is poverty, and then to be obedient. But she, when she started this ministry, she added one more. And she said to give wholeheartedly free service to the poorest of the poor. She didn't say the poor. She said the poorest of the poor. She looked for the lowest category among them. And that was how her ministry started. That's how she grew in that. And their, their mission was to care for the hungry, the naked, the homeless, the crippled, the blind, the lepers, all those who feel unwanted, unloved, uncared for throughout society. People who have become a burden to the society. Doesn't that sound like the scripture where it said that I was hungry and you, didn't, and you, didn't, and you fed me? I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. It's just exactly what the scripture wanted. And that's what she started doing. She did it over the years and over the years that the group made shelters for the dying, orphanages and homes for the ill. She took the lepers and more and more that they did. They grew so much that by 1979, the missionaries of charity had over 200 different operations in over 25 countries, just started by one woman. She won numerous prizes, numerous awards, but in 1979, she won the Nobel Prize for Peace, Mother Teresa. And then in 1997, she died. And I think it was uh, 2003 or so that they canonized her. But it was just this woman all by herself that she received the call and she said, I'm, set I'm setting my mind, I'm setting my focus on just this group of people. And she stuck with it over the years and years and years. And then it became something bigger than even what she could imagine. And I believe that that's Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, own to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or even imagine. What we do for someone, when God puts that idea in our heart, it will go even beyond any of us in the mighty name of Jesus. And I pray the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. So, there's one statement she always says that, you know, she's always been, she has so many quotes, but there's one that she says that was very profound to me that has kept her going and going and going. Because I was reading a story of her where she said that one day she was walking down the streets of Kakota and she saw this man that was very sick. He almost died. He had been on the floor, on the ground there for days. 
And she just calls my husband, help me carry him, help me carry him. And she was old herself. And she carried him. And she said, as she was lifting the man, that his skin was stuck to the floor. That that's how hot the weather was there. And that's how long he had been sleeping on the floor. When he, they picked him up, his skin peeled off and was on the floor there. That even Margot started to come out because he had pressure sores and everything. And she just took him and said, oh. And they took him to the monastery, to the place. And then she said, they said, the, Bible, the, the book said that they, he, she washed him from head to toe. Cleaned him everywhere. Then fed him and then prayed for him. And three hours later, he died. But she did that act, no matter how bad the situation was. She saw how terrible it was, but she said, you know what? He's still worth working for. And I pray that the Lord will help us. So she said one thing. She said, if you can feed a hundred people, if you can't feed a hundred people, then just feed one. Just feed one. So it doesn't take us going to, you know, we want to take the whole of this whole street. No, just find one person you're going to do something for. Somebody who you don't know, somebody who cannot bless you back. He said the greatest blessing that can ever be is that when you do something for someone, who can you return that favor back to you? That's your greatest blessing. And the Lord will help us that we identify the situation, we move into the situation, we do for them, and then we show them the love of Christ. And then they will ask you, who is your God in the name of Jesus? So in conclusion, we all have been called. Okay? And we know that, right? So if we've all been called, I pray that you answer the call. Because it says, many are called, but few are chosen. I pray that you fall into the category of the chosen in the mighty name of Jesus. It says, we all must learn to identify the disadvantaged groups. I've given you a few, but I pray that you even learn more of those people who are around you, who are near you, who don't come to church, but should be coming to church, who don't have food, but they need to eat, who don't have anything to, to wear, but you have more than enough to wear. Who don't have a house, but you can pay for their rent or even bring it into your house. There are certain people like that. I pray that you will do it in the mighty name of Jesus. We all have responsibility towards the group of God's children. We all have something we can say or do or give to them because we have been blessed. And when you are doing it, please, I ask you for just one thing. The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10, it says that whatever your hand finds to do, do with all thy might. Because there is no planning, no working, no wisdom, no knowledge to the grave that you are going. So if this is the time to do it, please do it well. If this is the time you're going to do it, if it's here, please do it with all your might. Anyone you can find and everywhere, please do it. Because where we're going after this, we're not going to be doing that. The only thing we'll be doing is raising up our hands and saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Amen. So why you guys you don't come and join the choir then? <laughs> so as I said, there's no time like now. Job chapter 14, I can't forget that. It's a scripture that I hold tight. Job 14 verse 14. It says, shall anyone die and live again? So if we're not going to die and live again, actually even the King James Version takes it says that, so all the days of my appointed time, shall I wait for my change? If God believes that you are not going to have another time. This is the time. We have only one life to live, and there's only one time we can do it. So that's your single opportunity. Please do it best. That's your single opportunity. Catch it and use it. 
And as you use it, the Lord will bless you in the mighty name of Jesus. So, my second question to you is, so what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? Sit down and eat rice? Or go to the mall and buy some more clothes? We look for the disadvantage, identify them, seek them, move into that capacity, do something for them, pray for them, tell them about the love of God, and move on to the next person. If you can't do it for a hundred, at least do it for one. And the Lord will help you as you do so in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. So I want us to rise, please. And um, I want to just, before we pray, I just want to ask for um, two categories of people. We are all God's children. But when God calls us, he has an assignment. And if you are not connected to him, he's not able to deliver that assignment to you. So I want us to close our eyes now. If there's anybody here who has not known Christ, who has not given his heart, his life, his total dominion, his marriage, his home, his children, whatever it is, your business, your, your job, if you're not giving it to Christ yet and you want to know him, just place your hand on your heart and you will tell him that you want him to come in, that you want to give him total dominion, total preeminence of your heart, your mind, your soul, everything that you own, you want to give it to him alone. Also, the second group of people, if those of us who have ever been in Christ, but somehow we've backslidden, we've moved back, we're not as fervent as before, we are not as connected as before, we are not as, as, as involved as we're supposed to be, like we used to be, the Lord bring me back. Lord, bring me back. Lord, I commit myself. I submit myself totally to you again. Lord, please take charge of everything. Let me know what to do, where to do it per second, per time. That I will do everything that will be what you want me to do, Father. That I want to reconnect back to you. I want to plug in back. I want to plug my server back into you. So that you can download things into me. That I'm the blessed, so therefore I must show your blessing. Thank you, Father. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' wonderful name we have prayed. If you, if you believe that you have not given your life completely to Christ, please, on the, on the bulletin, there's a tear-off portion. Just write your name and say, you know, that you're giving your life to Christ again. And drop it when the ushers are passing their, their basket. And if those of us who believe that we still need to reconnect back to God and you feel that you're making a decision to reconnect, please write it there also and submit it to the uh, ushers basket. And as you do so, the Lord will bless you in Jesus' name. Um, I would like the, the technical people, if you can just put up Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18. 